Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the adventure, to the Christ and culture. This is Steve Sherman. And this is Clint Carton. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in for another week of our podcast. Actually, we're recording a couple of these at once just because of the holidays and sort of yeah. what we do, trick of the trade. Christmas is coming up and we're going to be in different states, so it's going to yeah. be kind of hard to keep up with that. So uh, We've sort of been doing that for a while, which has been kind of hard to be like, I don't know what I'm doing in three weeks from now, but it's going to be my birthday. So yes, I did something for my <laughs> birthday, but I don't know yet. But in the future, we're going to try to do it more weekly just so we can be a little bit more on top of current events yeah. but just getting it started and trying to figure things out um that's how that was so it's still technically december 8th it's still the feast of the immaculate conception yeah. uh, as we're as we're doing this podcast it still snowed yesterday i'm still sad about it <laughs> um hey but it's all good yeah i just you know like i get it like some people like snow they're entitled to be wrong <laughs> I just, uh, look, like I'm from the north. I get it. Uh, snow can be pretty. I get people in Texas being all excited about the snow because they never see it in Houston. But you know, it's it's really not that great. It's cold. It's wet. Like the cold's bad enough. Yeah. <laughs> then you add like wet and this rain was like sleety. It really wasn't even the good kind of snow. What people don't seem to realize is, you know, it's not here anymore, but up in the north when it snows, it's still there and you have to shovel it and you have to drive in it and it becomes slushy and... All of your stuff gets wet because you're covered in snow, and so, pretty sure snow entered through original sin. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so I actually found out. So I'm, I'm going back to Iowa for Christmas, and I, I realized when I was looking kind of through the weather that around Christmas time, supposedly there's supposed to be a really, really bad snowstorm coming in. So we're going to be getting the real snow coming in in a couple of weeks, unfortunately. But I'll pray for you. Thank you. But yeah, so. Oh. I also want to apologize to you guys because all this time I've been making fun of Clint for being from Iowa and like there being corn. And I found out like, yes, there's a lot of corn in Iowa, but their main export is actually pork. Uh, so I have been deceiving all of you. I yeah. apologize. And so Clint's going to make a pig noise for us. No, he's not. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried. Um, so uh, moving on, Clint's going to talk to us about some Jesus things. Yeah. Wow. So before we get into it, though, uh, just let you guys know, we are actually going to be having some, or a guest speaker coming up in the next couple of weeks. Right. So get excited for that. We're going to be doing two podcasts yeah, we might for be, us? We might be doing one or two. We'll see. Yeah. And then um, hopefully we can get, I have a guest speaker, but we'll probably try to get him for spring if he's still interested. Yeah, we'll see. We'll uh, we, see. So. We had a, a really good... Um, really good turnout when we had the guest of Brittany come on with me when I was out in Denver. So we're going to try and get you guys some more guest speakers throughout the year. Obviously, we don't want to just 
do all guests, but it's kind of fun to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. So if any of you listeners are like, you know, if like you're Matt Fratt or Father Mike Schmitz and you're listening to this, we'd love to have you as guests. So <laughs> if you either know those two people and listen to this podcast or are those two people and listen to this podcast, please email us. And we highly expect to not get any emails, but you know, just that would be awesome. That would be an awesome podcast. And you guys like, you have to admit it. Okay, great. So moving into our topic, there is a lot of stuff today. So I'm going to start off with a warning. There are major spoilers in this episode. So if you have not seen or read the Lord of the Rings, then crawl out from under the rock you live yeah. and do so. <laughs> and go check it out. Personally, we recommend the extended editions if you're going to watch the movies, but that's a little biased. So, uh, if you, you live here in the Houston area, I have them, so you can borrow them from me. I expect them back. Yeah. So, it's uh, like I said, it's my favorite movie, it's my favorite book, and there's a lot of really good stuff. And the topic for today is actually part of the reason why. So, I'm going to start with... In the Old Testament, it teaches that the Messiah will be a priest in the order of Melchizedek, and that's in, uh, they talk about it in Hebrews 7, but uh, also in Genesis 14, a prophet of God, and he'll also be a powerful king. So a priest, a prophet, and a king. And Christ fulfills all of those roles, though not necessarily how the Jews expected. And as Christians, we are baptized with the same roles of priest, prophet, and king. So priesthood. A priest fosters holiness and is meant to help be a bridge between others and God. And that's the same call that we have as Christians to help foster holiness within ourselves and in those that we surround ourselves with, but also help be that bridge where others can see God through us and and bring them closer to God. So then prophet, we bear the truth that God has revealed. So a prophet, that word comes from the Greek prophetes, meaning spokesman. We are prophets because we are meant to share and spread the truth of God as he revealed that to us. And then lastly, our kingship. So a king is a leader who ideally recognizes the gifts and talents of a community and organizes them toward a single purpose. And for us, that's growing towards God. As sons and daughters of God, we are adopted into his family and strengthened with his spirit to allow us to serve as a quote-unquote king. Right. I mean, you kind of see that in scripture is we're to inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, those who inherit a kingdom are often kings and queens. Right. Yeah. So. <clears throat> and like I've said over and over again in different episodes, I am pretty much obsessed with the Lord of the Rings. And today's topic is one of the reasons why. If you listen to our first episode, which was Origin Stories, check it out. This is actually part of the conversation that I had with those eighth grade boys who encouraged me to start this show. So shout out to them because we wouldn't be giving this if it wasn't for their idea. So so don't let anyone tell you that you're too young to impact to the make kingdom. A difference. Yeah, that's in the uh, letters to Timothy. So yeah, <laughs> cool. All right. So first of all. It's impossible to have a character in a story be a perfect representation of Christ because no literary creation can replicate a divine being. But I think Tolkien has the closest representation I have seen because the whole story itself, every character, every seemingly pointless detail, including even the language itself, is all intended to reveal something about Christ to the reader. 
And there are three main characters that are kind of the primary representations of Christ in the main Lord of the Rings trilogy. And those are Gandalf, Frodo Baggins, and Aragorn. So I'll start with Gandalf. So Gandalf is actually a spirit known as a Maiar, and I've talked about that in previous episodes, I think. And a Maiar is one of the first beings created by the god, Eru Iluvatar, but he was sent to Middle-earth to take on a physical form, kind of similar to the Incarnation, and he was sent with four others, and they are known as the Wizards, uh, which are also called the Istari. So he's really wise, and throughout his time in Middle-earth, he is the only member of the Astari who remains loyal to his purpose and to Eru Luvatar. He is a messenger or kind of a prophet for Luvatar who has come to stop the, the Sauron and later Saruman, both of which were known for being powerful liars and corruptors. So they would uh, corrupt things that were good and lie to them to make them do something evil, uh, similar to Satan or how demons work. Right, So in the first book and movie, this is probably uh, one of my favorite things about Gandalf. The main group of characters, which is known as the Fellowship of the Ring, is forced to travel through an ancient mine known as the Mines of Moria. And this name alone should blow our minds and kind of remind us of Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham takes his son Isaac to a mountain Steve, do you happen to know what that mountain's called? Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. Yeah, so that's supposed to be a, a connection that will draw our attention. So the mines of Moria, Mount Moriah. There's uh, an obvious parallel there. Right. So the next question is what happens at Mount Moriah? So we look at it. Abraham goes there to sacrifice his son Isaac. But an angel appears and tells him to sacrifice a ram that was stuck in the brush instead. This ram, which is an adult male lamb, was sacrificed in the place of the innocent Isaac. That almost sounds like the lamb of God that is Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's supposed to be the foreshadowing of the lamb of God that comes in the New Testament. Exactly. So like Jesus himself, who sacrificed himself for all of us. Right. Right. So we have that comparison in the Bible. But going back to Gandalf, here's another spoiler alert. Gandalf battles a fallen Maiar, uh, a Maiar who chose to uh, reject the god of the story. And he's known as a Balrog, which is essentially a demon, a fire demon. And while they're, while they're battling in the mines, he emerges victorious but he himself dies in the process, but he's also able to save the rest of the fellowship so they can go on and try and complete the mission from there. But in the next movie or book, the fellowship is surprised when they come upon Gandalf again, but this time he's alive. It's like the resurrected Christ, right? So the cool thing about this is they actually don't recognize him at first because he is now in a more powerful and in a pure white form, whereas before he was mm. he was known as Gandalf the Grey because he had gray hair, he had gray robes, everything about him is gray. Now everything about him is white, you know? Yeah, kind of like the resurrected Christ. What I think is super interesting is I've actually seen the movie 
and I own the books, which I have to read. Don't, don't get too <laughs> mad at me, Clint. You're good. Um, but, you know, I saw them mostly when I was younger, and I, like, recently rewatched them. But I, you know, like, growing up, I never really, like, I guess caught all of those illusions or all of those uh, parallels um, before between, like, Gandalf and Christ. Like, I never really picked up on that. And, like, these are one of the cool things with hanging out with Clint. You learn things. <laughs> yeah, and, like, this is just the tip of the iceberg, you know? This is just the very beginning, and I think... Uh, a lot of the times, and this is part of the reason why we did this podcast, is we don't pick up on those things, but they're there. You know, Christ yeah. Christ puts himself here so that we can see him, but a lot of times we kind of overlook it. Uh, and so that's kind of why we try to break it down. Uh, and like I said, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but if you ever want to talk about it uh, and you ever see me around, I'd love to go deeper with this stuff. So so that's Gandalf, and that kind of lays him out as, you know, the, the prophet and the resurrected Christ. The second one that I want to talk to you about is Frodo Baggins, The Hobbit. So the obvious comparison of Frodo and Jesus is that of the sacrificial Christ. So the main quest of the Lord of the Rings is to destroy this powerful ring that will force them to travel into the most dangerous part of Middle-earth, where there are literally tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of evil forces trying to kill them. Frodo is this tiny little halfling, only a couple feet tall at most. And he doesn't fully understand the quest at first, but he knows that it must be done and that he likely will not return when he volunteers to take it. And so throughout his journey, he he realizes that this sacrifice, this dangerous journey is one that he needs to make alone. Though his faithful friend and gardener, Samwise Gamgee, manages to come along with him anyways. So this is a lot like how the sacrifice that Christ made for us was one that only he could make. And in the end, he must have felt really, really alone. You know, if you think about it, his friends had either left him or denied him or were unable to do anything to help him. You know, and so we look at that and then his journey brings him across the continent with the evil ring, which actually represents sin, and we'll probably do a podcast somewhere later on about, about, that, about yeah. that. But it's weighing him down more and more as his journey goes. It even gets to the point where the ring weakens him so much that he can no longer stand or move. And so I've, I've talked about Peter Kreeft a little bit, but he has this quote that says, Frodo's journey up Mount Doom is strikingly similar to Christ's way of the cross. Sam is his Simon of Cyrene, but he carries the cross bearer as well as the cross itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a really good comparison because as Christ is carrying that cross, he's carrying our sin, you know, and he's kind of carrying that up with him. And that whole thing, you know, there's the devotion to the shoulder wound of Christ, you know, where yeah. he he feels the the heaviness and the burden of all the sins, past, right. present, and future, upon his shoulder. Yeah, and just kind of hearing that quote and thinking about that is, you know, where Sam um, carries the cross bearer as well as the cross. I think in a certain way that's acting as, as Christ, you know, who helps carry us. Like when we, like we are to, like we carry our crosses throughout our life, and Christ not only helps us carry our cross, but he helps to carry us through that. And, you know, it just reminds me of a, throwaway joke that's actually not theologically incorrect one of my teens had asked me 
they were like, so how, like, you know, I was talking about the cross. I was giving a passion talk and they were like, they asked me like, how, like, how heavy was that cross that Christ carried? And I was like, well, I was like, it was as heavy as the weight of the world's sin, you know, which is, which is true. And, you know, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it was probably the wood itself is probably, probably like a couple hundred pounds or something crazy. Like there's, you know, scientific studies to be like, oh, probably would weigh about this much. But, but really it, it was the weight of the world's sins that he was carrying. And that's, that's pretty heavy. Right. Yeah. And if we look at that, uh, obviously Christ fell in his way of the cross. He fell a couple of times. And like I said, throughout his journey, Frodo falls too, to, to the weight of the ring. It burdens him. He feels the, the burden as he continues and eventually it becomes too much and he, he falls multiple times. But then going on from there throughout his journey, Frodo also comes across the character of Gollum, who was actually once a hobbit. A lot of people don't realize that, but he was a hobbit named Schmeagol. Um, and Schmeagol, after clinging to the ring, the same ring that Frodo had, so Schmeagol had it for over almost 600 years. And his the reason why his life was extended by the ring, but in turn, the, the ring and the sin corrupted him and I'll probably do a future podcast on that too and what the ring means and how Gollum handled that. But the point is, Frodo had a lot of opportunities to kill Gollum and Gollum actually betrayed him and tried to kill Sam and Frodo multiple times. But Frodo believed that even the most unlikely of people have a purpose and a role to play and should be shown mercy. And that obviously another spoiler alert plays out really important because in the end when Frodo was seemingly too weak and and kind of giving in to he was right at the end of his mission he was able to destroy the ring all he had to do was drop it into the the fire of the volcano but he couldn't and he had that moment moment of weakness there but because Gollum attacked him Gollum falls in with the ring and that shows that his mercy, his pity, uh, was able to allow the sacrifice of, of the ring to be destroyed. And so Tolkien himself actually wrote something along the lines of, uh, Frodo was not naive. He knew Gollum wanted only to betray him and his promise and get the ring back. To pity him, to forbear to kill him, was a mystical belief in the ultimate value in itself of pity and generosity, even if disastrous in the world of time. If we think about it, Jesus did the same to Judas and kind of had the same result. Yeah. So if we think about it, Jesus being God, being divine, he knew Judas would betray him, right? He even showed us to that, showed us that in the gospels that he knew Judas was going to betray him, but he chose him anyways. He chose him to be one of those followers and he, he entrusted him with a, a lot of responsibility within the group even of yeah. of uh, the 12 disciples and he knew that it needed to be done even though the the worldly result would be his agonizing death you know but the the spiritual result and the lasting result would be something that was so much more great you know yeah and i think that it's really good to keep that in mind I think in our our modern culture, we really want to sort of demonize people and be like, oh, like they're such a horrible person. They're too far gone. 
you see that a lot on the political stage and you can even mm-hmm. kind of see it in history you know like we look back on uh, certain horrible people in the past you know i think like a hitler or something like that and and we want to have no pity for them we want to just be like oh this person is the worst person and there's no redeeming qualities and you know we see that in um in our culture today where we you know a lot of places still have the death penalty you know to where somehow this person is beyond uh, redemption they're beyond saving and that's not the mission of christ that's not the gospel of christ i mean christ kept judas with him until the very end and even then was willing to go and die on the cross for him as well uh, the judas was one of these souls that christ was even trying to save to his last breath yeah. um and you know in our own lives like we we need to remember that you know, despite, like, yes, there are some horrible, horrible sin out there and people can commit some terrible, terrible things. But at the end of the day, they're still loved and they're still a human being with the dignity that, that Christ bestows upon us in that way. And that nobody's really beyond redemption, that we should continue to work for their redemption and for the salvation of souls, even when it seems to be an impossible task. Yeah. So far, kind of to summarize where we're at, I know we've we've already gone through a lot of information, so thanks for bearing with us. We've talked about Christ resurrected and Christ the prophet, which we see in Gandalf, and we have Christ the sacrificial priest that we talked about with Frodo Baggins, and now we have Christ the king, who we mm-hmm. see in the character of Aragorn, who is actually my personal favorite character. He's my favorite too. I think he's arguably the best character in any sort of literature yeah he's he's pretty I really awesome like Aragorn. Um, as, as just a fun fact when i was like in i think like middle school when the lord of the rings came out i i uh this is not i mean it's not really a secret but i actually wanted to grow up to be aragorn i still do yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's like the, he was just so real, cool uh, the real reason why i grew out a beard was just to, to be like be like aragorn um, yeah, i actually grew my hair long i didn't look like him yeah <laughs> so yeah actually going off of that so while I was at the Pines Catholic camp, go trees, I even <laughs> took a nickname, right? So we have our camp name. We talked about this a little bit, but my nickname came from Strider, which is Aragorn's name mm-hmm. early on in the stories and stuff. And at the time I had long hair too and a big beard. So I tried playing it off that I, that I actually was Aragorn. It was pretty great. Yeah. So, so I had the disbenefit uh, of trying to grow my hair long when I was still like in middle school and early high school before I could grow facial hair. Uh, um, and so people would often mistake me for a girl. <laughs> and so I cut my hair off there you go. <laughs> because that was really embarrassing to be out with like my mom and like my uh, cousins who are females and people come up like, so what do you ladies want? And I would just sit there being like, this is horrifying. This is so awkward. Uh, um, it is like a seventh grader being mistaken for a, a girl. So yeah, that would be one of the worst things for a middle schooler to experience it was pretty horrifying <laughs> i won't lie yeah i also had braces so it was just it was a terrible time for me yeah rough times but yeah so going back into uh like aragorn and our kingship that we find in, in christ the king the jewish people expected their messiah to be this powerful king who would lead them in a military campaign against the Ro- romans and and kind of save them in that way but Jesus was not the king that they expected at all. So Jesus is, is different than most kings that we think about in that he isn't rich, he isn't prideful, and he doesn't come off as being some super powerful person. You know, people were upset because 
they thought he was going to be some kind of great warrior, but in fact, he was a simple carpenter's son. Mm-hmm. He, he was poor, he was humble, and he gave himself to others rather than having them serve himself. And he's a king whose power, you know, it, it doesn't come from money, it doesn't come from violence or fear. His power comes from who he is. He is God. And he created everything, so he has power over everything as its creator, you know? Mm-hmm. Similarly, Aragorn uh, is actually descended from a really powerful line of kind of superhumans, I guess is the best way to describe them. Mm-hmm. They're known as the Dunedain. They were humans that basically they lived really long. They're really powerful. They, they were kind of given uh, extended life by Iluvatar, God, but... They're kings of the most powerful human empire in Middle-earth. But eventually they were forced to kind of flee and live as rangers, just living in the woods and, and trying to run away from this evil witch king that was trying to destroy their, their line, destroy mm-hmm. all of them so that uh, they would be gone forever. And Aragorn was kind of the heir to the throne in a way, you know? So after a long time in hiding... Essentially, he becomes this extremely poor boy with uh, the rest of his ranger family and, and the others that fled with him. And he was on the run from this evil king who was trying to kill him when he was little, just like Jesus. So after the death of Aragorn's father, his mother took him and fled to hide him, similar to when Jesus was born. King Herod tried killing Jesus so the Holy Family fled to Egypt. So there's another pretty distinct parallel there between the two of them. But then going forward, Jesus was a king who was not afraid to challenge others. He was a bold king. He wasn't afraid to call out the Pharisees when they were sinning and using the Jews who Jesus was actually there to bring into his kingdom. You know, Likewise, Aragorn stood for what he believed in and wasn't afraid to speak out against anyone who threatened the fellowship and threatened the good of the world. He protected them and he would have died for them. And there was even a moment in the books where he had to sacrifice what he truly wanted, which was to go to Gondor, which was the kingdom that he was supposed to inherit. He wanted to go back there and protect them and save them, but he had to kind of put that on hold and sacrifice that at the time so that he could continue to lead the fellowship, which he knew was the ultimate good, the ultimate sacrifice that he was being called to do at that time. And so the Jews were, were all expecting this giant warrior king who was going to lead them in an uprising against Rome and push them out of the Holy Land. But Aragorn was a ranger, so nobody expected him to be a king either. So we have this this comparison of the, the unlikely king rising uh, and, and leading. And the other thing that I, I think is interesting about Aragorn's kingship and in uh, our comparison with Christ is when Aragorn's family was kind of run out of the kingdom for a while, they actually had stewards who were just normal humans that kind of sat in the throne and took over until they were going to return. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the term steward is basically someone who watches over something that is not theirs until the master returns, sure, you know, yeah. so. It actually kind of comes from um, a lot of the Davidic kings, the, the kings of Israel, they would, this is just an off-topic note, but they would, uh, that's sort of why 
whenever Christ is, is talking to Peter and he gives him like the keys to the kingdom, it's right. an illusion because the stewards would be given the keys to the palace, the kingdom, um, when the king was away and they would sort of be acting king until the king returned and sort of why we call um, St. Peter and why we call the Pope the steward of Christ because that's kind of how they're acting until Christ returns. Right. And like we're called to be stewards too, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we're called to be stewards of the earth and take care of uh, the, the physical earth while Christ is away until he returns, you know, so yeah. this is something that we're supposed to be taking care of too. Yeah. Another just thing is I'm listening to you and, and it's sort of just like a mini thought or revelation to me. I remember in college when I was studying Old Testament before they started having the king. Sorry, this is a little off topic. No, you're good. But I remember like before when they back when they had the judges before they started having a king and you have the Jewish people and they're calling for a king and they're calling for a king but you know the the Jewish people originally understood that they don't need a king like the other kingdoms um, around them the other nations because they had their king was God God was their king but they kept calling out and crying out for God to give them a king um, and so eventually he raises up. David and Solomon and this line of kings after he had the judges. And I think it's just kind of, I think, funny because at the very end, you have this promise that there will always be a Davidic king, um, and it ends up being God. That God goes back to the beginning being like, I am the king yeah. that you need. Right? Yeah. That Christ was, that event, like originally the Jewish people were like, we, well, we don't need a king because God is our king. And they're like, well, we want a human king. And he sent them a king. And then eventually at the very end, he himself he was the king the anyway. King, yeah. That he so he was he was both the human king they wanted and the fact that he was God, he was still king. Yeah, and I think that actually leads in pretty well to my point because for anyone who's seen the movies or read the books, there's a point where Denethor, the the steward of Gondor who is sitting on the throne during Aragorn's lifetime, he says Gondor needs no king. So he says this when he finds out that Aragorn is on his way back to kind of reclaim his throne. He says, Gondor needs no king. Basically saying that he is the king now as he's no longer just the steward. He has, in a way, made himself this king, you know? And I feel like so often we try to do the same thing. We try to make ourselves kings or even, you know, gods mm -hmm. in our own lives by rejecting what God wants and living how we want and doing what we want and not what he wants for us. Yeah, and, and with being Advent, we had a, a young adult meeting on Monday, I think it was this past Monday, and we have a girl named Lizzie. Shout out to her. Shout out. And she actually had a really good point about this. Is you know She's been reflecting recently on you know Christ's coming. You know, obviously, Advent is where we're looking forward to the birth of Christ liturgically, but also looking forward to the second coming of Christ, right? The, the coming of Christ in our lives. And she mentioned, like, you know, when he comes, like, what sort of throne, like, what sort of um, throne is she sort of building in her heart, right? And at first she was like, oh, yeah, I'm a manger, because that's where he was born. He was born in a manger. And then she realized, but wait, like, I know who he is, and, like, I can prepare something better in my heart for him, something more worthy for him. And I don't know, it just sort of reminds me of that, this idea that, like, you know, like, what sort of throne are we are we building in our hearts for Christ? You know, like are we are we making the time to clean out our sin and like give a, an actual seat of God to us? 
Yeah, and you know, that's like the point of Advent is to prepare yeah. us for that. So I think that's yeah. a, a really good thing to, to be thinking about. Especially during this Advent season. <clears throat> yeah. Hopefully this gets aired in Advent. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll get it out. If not, yeah. it's always a good thing to be thinking about even yeah. if we don't get it out right. in Advent. So <clears throat> I just want to end. So obviously we, we have our, our three representations of Christ uh, in the Lord of the Rings, our three main ones. So we have the, the prophet, which is Gandalf. We have the priest, which is Frodo. And we have the king, which is Aragorn. But I just want to close with this last quote from Peter Kreeft. Uh, I know I quote him a lot. He just has a lot of really good material that I like. So he says, Christ is more clearly present in Gandalf, Frodo, and Aragorn, the three Christ figures. He says, firstly, all three undergo different forms of death and resurrection. Secondly, all three are saviors. Through their self-sacrifice, they help save all of Middle-earth from the demonic sway of Sauron. And then thirdly, they exemplify the Old Testament threefold messianic symbolism of prophet, Gandalf, priest, Frodo, and king, Aragorn. And there are a lot of other reasons given, but it would take a whole extra episode to explain the rest of them. So I encourage you to kind of look into them and think about them a little bit, especially if you are familiar with this story or if you ever want to kind of talk to Is me there about that too. Like a particular book that you get most of this from? Aren't you reading like the philosophy of Tolkien? Yeah, or? so most of that comes from philosophy of Tolkien. Most of the, the the quotes come from that, but a lot of the other stuff came just from me watching the movies yeah, probably twenty plus times and reading the books over and yeah. over again. Well, I'm just so. thinking of just in general, like you know, being able to look into it. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to check it out, that'd probably be the best place to go. Uh, it's a really good book, The Philosophy of Tolkien by Peter Kreeft. If you really want to just think about that Catholicity behind The Lord of the Rings, that's a great book, but there's also a lot of other really good ones out there. You can just yeah. Google Catholicism and Tolkien, and, and there's actually quite a few. So Right. Peter Kreeft is probably one of my favorites, though, just because he's, he's so wicked smart. Uh, he's, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. I've, I've listened to a few of his talks and read some of his stuff. He's, he's solid. Yeah, so he, he's a, a really good uh, Catholic philosopher, so you can check him out, too. And he's got other stuff that's not just tolkien related yeah, but, yeah, yeah uh this is my personal favorite book from him so he's actually pretty funny too yeah uh, if you listen to some of his talks he's yeah he's got some pretty good humor too yeah cool so we'll go ahead and we'll give you all the challenge for this week so my challenge for you guys is throughout this week look into how you are fulfilling your roles as priest prophet and king so are you helping lead others to christ are you sacrificing and offering prayers for them? And are you spreading Christ's truth and love in your everyday life? So think about those three roles, priest, prophet, and king, and, and kind of where they fit into your life. So I want to give a shout out to the other comment that we actually have. So on iTunes, we've been, we've been asking for reviews. And I want to thank uh, one of my teens, actually, one of the teen leaders from our young adult or young adult group, our our youth, Our youth group, group yeah. uh, Evan Ante. So he went on and, and left a review for us. So shout out to Evan. Hopefully you're still listening and enjoy that. Do you have any other shout outs? Shout out to everyone who listens to this podcast because you're awesome. But anyway, thank you guys for, for joining us for the adventure one more week here. We'll be having some special guests come up. Please be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe, and our email, which is in the description, feel free to email us, give us some feedback, anything you guys would like us to cover, 
uh, we would be more than more than happy to you know watch or read or do whatever we can any aspects of culture that you want us to cover especially if it's difficult you know if there's something you're like this part of culture doesn't seem like it could ever represent christ like challenge us we will find christ in it i yeah, promise challenge. you give us give us that you know it's it's always a little bit difficult to try to cover everything all of the time and come up with different ideas of things to watch of uh, things to talk about so so give us some feedback you know like we're just going to keep going off what you know we've seen recently or things that we're, we're sort of watching or, or reviewing that are coming from our hearts in that. But but if there's anything that, that you guys would like to hear, if there's anything that you're like, oh, like I was watching this and I saw Christ sort of represented in this way, could you do a podcast on it? Please, by all means, email us, uh, let us know. You can even leave it on our Facebook page if you're following us there. And anyway, so thank you guys for being with us for the adventure for one more week. <laughs>